Hello and welcome back to There Was an Idea, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. I'm your host, TK, a high school teacher and pop culture enthusiast. In this episode, we just don't know what to expect. Continuing last week's trend of collaborating with other MCU podcasters, I'm joined by Tony and Al from MCU Rewind in a discussion about WandaVision Episode 3, Now in Color. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can follow me for updates and behind-the-scenes extras at anidea underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Enjoy the episode. But first, what's what's going on? Something strange is happening. I, I'm I'm receiving a message, and it sounds like it's from longtime friend of the podcast, Colleen Harwood, with their theory about who is orchestrating the sinister events of WandaVision. So my prediction for the orchestrator of the events of WandaVision after watching the first three episodes is Kenneth Parcell from 30 Rock. And my explanation for this has some pretty serious spoilers for the end of 30 Rock. So if you don't want to hear those, skip ahead a little bit. But so we know from the end of 30 Rock that Kenneth is immortal, essentially, And we know that he loves only two things in this world, everybody and television. And we know that he has an extensive and encyclopedic knowledge of television history. And I can just imagine a scenario where perhaps centuries of being treated like garbage have warped Kenneth into a kind of supervillain. And um, he's probably like bald and like his like face like got like crinkly a little bit but like he's still Kenneth but he's evil so you know if perhaps Wanda pissed him off or something like that he could put her in a hell that's based on television history because he knows everything about it and he loves it um and I just think that that makes a lot of sense for for why that would be happening to Wanda so um I'm gonna stick with that as my my final prediction on the show I think by the last episode of this season, I'll be proven correct that um, it's indeed Kenneth the Page. Today, I am joined by two special guests who I am thrilled and honored to welcome to the show. It's Tony and Al from the podcast MCU Rewind. Thanks for joining me today, guys. Yeah, thanks hey. for having us. Now, the last time we collaborated, it was for your show, MCU Rewind's review of Doctor Strange. But this is the first time for both of you guessing on this podcast, so I want to begin with the classic There Was an Idea opening question. What is your relationship to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? And let's start with you, Al. Yeah, um, let's see. So, I mean, I I started, like, my background, at least, with the Marvel stuff was uh, all those cartoons in the 90s. I just loved watching them as a kid. Um, And uh, that just kind of kept going because, you know, that... That, that started with the cartoons, and then we got a few movies there, right? We had the Spider-Man movies, um, the X-Men movies, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the MCU kicked off with Iron Man, like, well, I have to watch this. And and then I fell in love. So that's <laughs> pretty much how that went. Pretty much right when you get to that, that first scene in Iron Man where he's um, putting on the suit that is, like, being put on him. You see all those gears turning and everything. Um, yeah, I was hooked. That's <laughs> yeah. nice, basic background on that one (laughs) 
Thanks. Yeah. What about you, Tony? Yeah, well, um, I didn't actually watch any of those uh, 90s uh, cartoons like Al did. It's uh, Travesty, but I was more of a DC fan growing up. Mm. So Batman and the Anime series was my thing. But when I was 12 years old, uh, the first X-Men came out, and I was like, what? what is this other universe? Because I didn't know much about it. I knew Spider-Man, because my cousin collected Spider-Man comics. But like, I kind of dove headfirst into the comics after that. And um, I was always a bigger fan of the more obscure comics. So I didn't read a lot of Spider-Man. I didn't read a lot of X-Men. I was, I was a Captain America fan who not a lot of people knew at the time. And I was a big Thor fan. So when they were making Iron Man, and I, this time I'm watching like Comic-Con stuff, and they're announcing the lineup that they're doing an Iron Man movie and the Captain America movie and a Thor movie leading up to an eventual Avengers movie, I got so excited. Mostly also because I love crossovers. Like, I was big into, you know, DC Universe crossovers, but, like, the Stephen King universe crosses mm. over all his books. Um, Jay and Simon Bob, when I was in high school, all those crossovers. So the fact that we could have a whole universe, and really has expanded to the universe now, really got me pumped for these movies, and I just kind of became obsessed. Yeah, I'm with you. I love a good crossover. So... As I said, I had the opportunity to guest on your show a couple months back, and it was really such a blast. And I have to say, I absolutely admire the in-depth and comprehensive approach that you two take to breaking down the MCU. And I also have to give major props to your website because it is so well organized. <laughs> it sounds like one of those things where I'm like, and check out their website, mcurewind.com. But it really is, really, it's, it's laid out so nicely. <laughs> and uh, I, I saw you have a release schedule completed through 2024. Is that right? Uh, yeah, well, we, I actually was just updating that yesterday. So now we're up to 2026. Oh my gosh, wow. It's immensely impressive. Uh, so why don't you tell listeners a little bit more about MCU Rewind and how the podcasting journey has gone for you so far? We started off with, I approached Al uh, wanting to do a ridiculous idea of breaking down the Marvel movies one minute at a time, which actually another Ooh. podcast started doing that. Um, Al talked me out from that ledge of doing five episodes a week, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I still want to do a Marvel podcast and... I was looking at Marvel podcasts, and they uh, usually either focus on the movies, or at the time, um, Defenders, uh, you know, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, those series were mm -hmm. coming out, or and they'd focus on that, or they'd focus on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But I wanted to do something more all-encompassing, so what we do in our podcast is, from the day we started, which was back in 2017, we rewound all the way to the beginning of Iron Man, and we cover every movie, TV show, one-shot, part of the MCU, or what was intended to be part of the MCU, because now we're in this ambiguous canon state, is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. canon, is mm. Runaways canon, all that stuff. But I we're think still it all is, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I hope it all is. But either way, we'll, we cover everything. So we have been doing this um, coming close to 200 episodes now. Wow. 2017. Um, we are in the dark days. If you guys listen to right now, we are covering uh, season one of Iron Fist, which is um, challenging, to say the least. It's not the the best made Marvel product, but it's a lot of fun breaking down the, the Easter eggs, 
the background characters, the little details, and then really getting into trying to get into the psychology and understanding the characters and who they are and why they fight. Wow. Congratulations on, on passing that 200 episode mark. That's really so impressive. And I, again, I, I really admire your, your dedication to really giving the time to those shows or those episodes that may not be your favorite. And, and, and I, I can't imagine what uh, amazing and unique perspective that brings to your viewing of other MCU films and, and shows just to be able to have all of that knowledge, the, the wealth of perspective that you guys have. And uh, again, thank you for, for joining me today to talk about a show that I'm sure you'll get to at some point. And I did, I did listen to your prediction special that you did on WandaVision, which was really fun. So we're here to talk about episode three of WandaVision, which is cleverly titled Now in Color. And I, I will say I was very happy to see that they have since released titles for the first two episodes as well. Did, was that jarring to you that they didn't have titles at first? Not to me, because uh, I the only thing I can compare it to is The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. True. And the first episode didn't have a title either. It was more jarring when they brought titles in at the beginning of this week. I was surprised. Yeah, I, I honestly didn't even notice uh, that, they, that it was missing titles. I tend not to, to see them. But that's good to know. Now I have to go back and actually read what they are. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk first impressions, initial reactions to episode three. And if you want to throw in a little bit of your overall feelings about the show so far as well, that would be great to hear, too. So let's start with you, Tony. Yeah, um, well, Wanda Maximoff is my second favorite character in the MCU. She's coming up. She's She's got a longer timeline, so we'll see if she rounds the corner over Captain America. For, for this episode, I liked it, but I'm worried for Wanda. Because I really mm. don't want her to be the villain, and that seems like that's the way they're leaning towards. Um, overall, for the entire show, I like it. I especially like this playing with the TV show genre, um, the sitcom genre. Because I grew up watching a lot of those because my dad would like to share all the things he used to watch. So I grew up watching, you know, Full, uh, not Full House, uh, Brady Bunch and uh, Happy Days and all the way back to the Dick Van Dyke show and stuff like that. So I'm getting all these references a lot more than I thought I would. Cool. What do you think, Al? Uh, I, I am loving this show so far. It's been like so much fun. Um, just seeing them, I, I, I mean, I... Just seeing the, the parody of, like, the, the different decades of the TV shows so far, and then also, like, messing with us as the audience, like, yeah, what do you really think is going on? Let's see. Uh, let's see uh, how much of this you're guessing. Uh-huh. And I get the feeling we're all guessing so much <laughs> that we're going to be very wrong as time goes on. And so I'm, I'm really hoping for that, because I, I love it when a show sets you up to think something, and then, in a good way... Uh, you realize, oh, okay, well, I was completely wrong. Like, I, I hate it when, you know, they, they turn a corner and all of a sudden it's something that makes absolutely no sense. But I don't think that's something that's going to happen in this show uh, because so far it's just been written so well. And um, and I'm, I'm really anticipating every week. Uh, you know, Tony was mentioning The Mandalorian, which I really liked, but it wasn't a show, like, as soon as the episode ended, I thought, all right, I can't wait a week. And now I'm... I can't remember the last time I watched a show where I just can't wait 
the week to watch the next one. So yeah, I'm with you. And it like you were saying too, Tony, it kind of brings me back to like, the types of, of sitcoms that I would watch as a kid. And, and when you're a kid, like, you'd, you'd watch the same episode of something over and over again, and it would just kind of become part of what you were experiencing and, and the way that the actors delivered the lines. And it was just something that was, uh, at least for me, that I felt very immersed in. And I have to say, I've really been enjoying experiencing that again with this show. Oh, yeah. So one of the things for me, episode three definitely felt different than the previous two. I kind of missed the black and white at first, to be honest, because in the first two, that aesthetic really contributed to the feeling of of being completely immersed in the sitcom world of that era, at, at least for me. So this one feels different, and I definitely don't think that's a bad thing. To me, the difference is that I felt like my role as an audience member shifted And I definitely do think that was intentional on the part of the creators. So the first two episodes, to borrow a phrase that Agnes says in episode one, is all about setting the scene. And I think as audience members, we were meant to be part of that. Like we were dropped into the black and white sitcom world, much like the people of Westview seem to be dropped into that world, right? So we knew something was wrong, obviously, because of our outside knowledge like the meta knowledge that we have about the creation of the show but that incongruity meant that the eerie uncanny feeling was captured very very effectively in my opinion but in episode three i and it's that's not a but to say that it's not effective in episode three it's just to say that i think in episode three the show is intentionally breaking us out of that And I have some thoughts on the imagery of walls and barriers of other kinds that uh, when I was watching the show and rewatching this episode, I was thinking about the positioning of us as audience members and of the characters too, um, of course. So I I think I'll come back to that later, kind of that idea of walls and positioning. So I think what I'm getting at is that in episode three, instead of me as an audience member feeling like a Mr. or Mrs. Hart character, like the first two episodes invite us to do, I felt more like Vision does in this episode while watching episode three. Like, I think he works very well as an audience POV character in this episode. And we'll talk more about him later as well. So the last thing I'll say here is that I think Vision's quoting of Shakespeare really illuminates the point that I'm trying to reach when he says, all the world's a stage, all the men and women merely players. I felt like we were playing along more so in the first two episodes, but now, like Vision, there's more of that self-awareness, more questioning, and it's harder, at least for me, it was harder to snap back into the immersion of the fantasy world in this one, episode three. So that's kind of what I've been thinking about in terms of this episode, and Episode three also brings us into the 1970s, the technicolor world of the 1970s, and thinking once again about how the show is marrying this medium with its meaning. I'm curious to hear what you guys think of the format of the episodes so far and how the decade to decade thing is working for you. Yeah, the the format is working well for me so far. The first two episodes a lot more, just like you just said. My uh, initial reaction was I actually liked this episode a little less than the previous two because they stepped away from those um, those TV tropes. Like, they're still doing them, 
but it's a lot more of the characters of Wanda and Vision of what they're going through, and a little less of the 70s TV tropes that I expected. Overall, I like it. I like these tropes. I'm also doing the math in my head that if they go all the way to the 2010s, which is the decade we just ended, that's seven episodes of decades and a nine-episode season, so I'm mm. expecting the last two episodes to be more traditional MCU. Huh. I, um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I pretty much had the, you know, similar thoughts on, you know, I, I really enjoy the, the decade by decade. Um, if I remember correctly, they actually filmed the the first episode in front of a studio audience. I don't know about the second one, but they, if they still used a, a laugh track. But, um, like, it, it was definitely, you know, they're, they're at least still like making the the types of jokes that I would have expected. Like I'm trying to remember 70s types of shows that I saw and the only one I can think of is the Brady Bunch. <laughs> I was going to say the other the other one that I've seen some comparisons to is the Mary Tyler Moore show. Yeah, I can see that. Definitely not All in the Family, which is my third touchstone in the 70s. Um and I'm glad they're steering away from that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you, you, you both keep listing shows. Like, apparently, I just skipped that decade. I remember a lot of other shows that they <laughs> that they had. Uh, I don't know how that happened, um, how I ended up seeing a lot of that, but less uh, 70s stuff. But really wondering where they're going with the 80s now for next next week. <laughs> yeah, the 80s are my television blind spot, so I'm, I'm not expecting to get a lot of those references. <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely agree with what you guys are saying. I, I think, to me... The, the most successful genre aspects of episode three are really the credits. I, I definitely loved the song in this one and got a lot of Brady Bunch feelings uh, looking at the, the design of the house and the colors. And I, you know, I think some of the, some of the jokes, like you said, like the bits with the fruit, you know, covering her, her pregnant stomach and the, the comments made by the doctor that are kind of very period, typical, casually sexist comments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the commercial, I'm sure we'll talk more about. So there, there were some of those aspects to this, but yeah, I would agree with you guys that I felt like there were more of them in the, the first two episodes and I, I kind of wonder how much of that is is because you know in the first two episodes it was just us as the audience just watching stuff happen right like this is it it, it really is like an episode from that decade from that that time uh, but this episode number three we actually started getting more or we started seeing more cracks into the world and seeing uh, getting kind of some more of that storyline uh, to really explain that things aren't what they actually seem. And so I, I wonder if, you know, every decade it's going to be less and less of, of that period piece because of the cracks. Mm, I think you're onto something there. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I like as well that you mentioned the cracks that we're seeing as I think that comes back to what I, what, what's been on my mind related to this idea of, of the, the walls and the cracks in the walls. And we see a, a very clear image of that in this episode. So, Thinking about this idea about things not quite being what they seem, I want to talk about some of the some of the, the themes that are emerging from these first three episodes, and specifically this one. Last week, I spoke with Trey from MCU Need to Know, another podcast, and uh, one of the major themes that he named was th- this idea of paranoia. And I, I think we definitely see that continue in episode three, but it feels like it also develops into 
not just necessarily paranoia, but taking it a step further to like outright terror and dread in, in a few of the moments in this episode. So I was just curious to hear what you guys are thinking about the role of, of fear in in the show so far. Yeah, I mean, different characters are definitely showing different kinds of fear, right? You know, Wanda has her fear of uh, being found out, right, of, of other people seeing, like, that stork that showed up. Um, she had the whole fear of, of that, of uh, people finding out that she was pregnant, um, which... It also has its own different level of fear that I guess that we saw in, uh, I guess Vision also <laughs> kind of had his own fear, right, of mm-hmm. uh, being a father all of a sudden. Um, but then at the end, we see the, uh, you know, the, the neighbors, right, the doctor, uh, the neighbor who, I, I'm so bad at remembering names, um, who else, Geraldine, or no, not Ger- uh yeah, Geraldine also, like, they, they were all scared when... Um, what it seems to be Wanda kind of losing some of her power of uh, maybe some of the, you know, those cracks happening of them realizing the the position that they're in. I mean, the doctor at the end said that, you know, you just can't get away from, from small towns. So it, it seems to be everyone had, has uh, a, a type of fear um, that, that we're seeing. Like they're, they're all in the bad place of some sort. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Um, there's one moment of fear that, the most fascinating to me is uh, quote-unquote Geraldine's fear of when she hears the stork. To me, it seems like she breaks character. Um, And we see her break character later, and we've seen her break character before. But this isn't a... There's not an obvious reason why she would be this scared. I'm wondering if... What that sound triggered in her, because she wasn't doing the overacting you would expect of a sitcom of that era. She was legitimately scared. Yeah, I, I noticed the same thing, too, because, like, right after, um, you know, when she was scared and then Wanda tells her the, oh, that's my new ice maker. Like, she she takes a second and then she goes right back into the character that she she's living in in this TV land. I'm so glad that you two brought that moment up because it's definitely a moment that I noticed as well. But but kind of second guess myself, I was like, I, I, like, there was something to it that it really did seem like she broke out of quote unquote Geraldine in that moment and I just wasn't sure and so I I feel validated now that you guys saw it the same way Um, because I'm having trouble understanding what that could be about like why was it that sound uh, that she really got very spooked about I guess we'll find out or not (laughs) yeah yeah I have no guesses for that (laughs) I've got my crazy like far um, afield theories but I think we'll get to that later because I don't have anything concrete. <laughs> um, well, are there any other th- themes or concepts that you're noticing coming up so far? Yeah, it's... Let me see. Let's go through my notes real quick, because I remember writing this down. Um, well, it's obviously... We talked about uh, trauma. But I'm curious... I'm If Wanda... It, this is all Wanda's creation... If this is all her creation, why isn't Pietro part of this? Mm-hmm. She obviously, she remembers Pietro, and this is a our big clue that she is aware of the world outside. So I'm curious, like, why did she only bring back Vision? Why isn't her brother living in the basement like another sitcom trope or something like that? Or will we see that in the 90s in the Full House version? Will Pietro suddenly be part of the family? 
Yeah, I've been wondering about that too. And I also wasn't sure if it like, so in this episode three, when Geraldine says, oh, twins, when Wanda says, I had a twin, it almost seemed like she was remembering it in that moment. So that was maybe one thought that I had was like, okay, so maybe all along she hasn't been remembering and maybe it was this twin comment that was able to unlock something in her. I, I think so. Like, um, it, it kind of seems every so often she, she does break out of her character, too. Like, like you know, we saw in the, the first episode, um, she had to tell Vision to save uh, Mr. Hart. And she had that, you know, that stern voice um, to do that. And I, I, I remember, oh, that's right, at the end of episode two, when she said no um, to, uh, what was it, seeing the, the guy with the bee suit? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, it was the same, same thing. So I... I I feel like maybe that's a crack that'll happen every so often too. She'll remember, but I, I a little piece of me thinks it's like this voluntary like like dream state kind of thing, right? Like like she's she she remembers because she has to, but maybe in this moment she let her guard down uh, because you know happy now she has kids, she's got this family that I'm assuming she wanted. Yeah, she seems very happy with the twins, mm-hmm. at, especially at the end. After she's kicked Geraldine out, yeah, yeah, almost sinister in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure we'll we'll circle back to that too. As I was watching and rewatching a few times episode three, my brain started to direct me more and more to significant objects and their potential symbolism, even more so than themes this time around. And I think there's a few that are on my mind. The the fruit is an obvious one because the doctor spells out how that relates to the stages of pregnancy. Um, But I also thought it was a nice detail that Wanda was eating the various fruits at key moments during the story. And I alluded earlier to this motif of of walls and other barriers. So the scene with uh, the neighbor Herb absentmindedly cutting through the wall with his hedge trimmers was so creepy and the, then, of course, the key scene toward the end when he and Agnes are whispering and they start talking to Vision about Geraldine, the positioning in that scene is so interesting because Herb is on the other side of the wall, which is cracked. Uh, but Agnes is on Vision's side, which is also our side. So I'm just going through and and, and I'm still working out my ideas on what I think that all means. But what, what do you guys make of that? I, um, going back to what you, the quote you brought up about vision, all the world's a stage, it's about trying to figure out who is just an actor and who is the actor director or who is running things behind the scene. And I think it's more of a Herb might be one of the actors. He doesn't have a choice. So he is on the side where the, uh, the actors would be say that's a stage and this is a barrier separating the stage from the people who have their own will, which is Vision who can Mm. potentially figure it out. Wanda and Geraldine are on that side inside the house, and they we see that they both have their free will, and then it's still a question mark about Agnes, but she seems more and more the likely suspect of who is the mastermind, or at least working for the mastermind behind all of this. I like it, Tony. I think that's a really interesting, insightful observation. Well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) 
Mike dropped. <laughs> <laughs> I always feel bad. I always want to come up with with insightful observations like that, but but I, I I've got nothing. Uh, it's, I, I just <laughs> I just rely on Tony. There, there's a reason. It's it's two of us on on a show, or more than than one. <laughs> <laughs> You guys play off of each other really well on your show. It's, it's nice to have a balance. Uh, oh, of course, one more thing on the on the topic of these like barriers. There's Geraldine crashing through the pixelated barrier of the bubble of some sort toward the end. I, I, I took that to... It reminded me of the movie Cabin in the Woods. Have you guys seen that? One of my favorites, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But you know what I'm talking about, right? Like that simulation that the bird flies into. That Chris Hemsworth crashes into. Oh, it is Hemsworth. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) It's all coming together. Crossover moment. Um, But yeah, it definitely, to me, it it looked sort of like the the pixels of a a television or, or, or a computer of some kind. And so it definitely gave me like simulation vibes. But we'll return to that in a few moments. I did want to take some time to dig into the main characters and just maybe talk about some of their standout moments from episode three. So let's start with Wanda. What were some of the moments that really stood out for her in terms of new information that we're learning about her and and where she's going and what she's dealing with in episode three specifically? We've kind of covered a lot about her, um, talking about how much control she has and, um, but what I want to talk about is what's out of her control. Like, she's mm. losing controls of her powers at because of the pregnancy and because of the, um, the labor that she goes through in this. And I find that weird. Like, if, uh, if this were all Wanda, I think the whole uh, simulation, for lack of a better word, would be flickering. Not just weird things happening in her house and in the neighborhood. So, I'm wondering... You know, I'm always wondering how much of uh, this is her, how much is this someone else. And I have actually have a third option of who could be causing those glitches, but we'll get into that later. My thing with Wanda is she's lost a lot of family. She's lost her brother. She's lost um, the person she loves, Vision, who's back now. Um, but she's also, she's lost her parents. And then she had her adopted family of uh, pretty much, in my mind... Clint, who is like her, we see mm-hmm. as her closest friend, the person who brings her out twice in um, Civil War and Age of Ultron. But also, uh, the only other person she like really gets a heart to heart with is Captain America in Civil War, who is essentially gone as well. He's not dead, but I think he's dead to the world. He believes he's dead. So I think this idea that she is so happy to be pregnant and is not questioning it, uh, whether she did it or it's happening to her. Um, I think it's really, uh, significant that she's going to be this mama bear style mother who will do anything to protect her family. Yeah. I think that's really interesting because I, I had been thinking of her in this episode as kind of showing uh, a contrast, really, the contrast between the extreme joy and happiness that she seems to have about the pregnancy and then the extreme 
tension, uh, like I said, almost sinister nature that she gets uh, in that confrontation with Geraldine and um, how her her accent even like shows up a tiny bit. Right. You know, she at least drops like this, the sitcom voice and she sounds a little bit more like she did in the movies. And uh, then that that stare at the end, you know, she's staring at those children and it and it seems much more in, intense. But I like what you said, Tony, about it, like those things don't necessarily have to be in contrast, right? Like right now her motivation is her love for these children. I feel so bad because everything that you two have already said, I already had my notes. I- <laughs> <laughs> All well, right. Al, so listen, then you go first for vision Al. I was going to say, so you get first crack at talking about vision. <laughs> ah, great. Um, you know, one of the things that like, I, I guess the, the number one thing I, I noticed about vision more in this episode is his not caring about um, hiding his powers. Uh, yeah. You know, we when we see him run off to get the the doctor, um, and then you know run back, he just had had no fear about about hiding it. And I, I guess it, I mean, it, it did work overall. I, I, and, and I'm sure a big part of that was you know he was freaking out too. We we saw that, um, but it all just kind of worked out. No one ever addressed it at all. Um, you know, especially even once the doctor got there, like that. I guess he, in his mind, is one of those... Like, I keep thinking this is a whole dreamlike situation, right? Like, he, he knows something happened, but he's kind of ignoring it on, you know, on the specifics. Um, you know, and then uh, a little bit later, when we see, uh, you know, him, he was talking to Agnes and... Oh, I forget what the other, uh, the neighbor's name was. Herb. Herb, Herb <laughs> yeah. So, well, Agnes and Herb. And, uh, you know, after they kind of say goodbye to him... Uh, he actually like rushes back to the door using his powers again and um, takes off his human face. Now he's looking like you know Vision the robot uh, again, and he he did that knowing that Gerald or thinking Geraldine was still inside too. Yeah. So I'm wondering if we're gonna see him doing you know more and more stuff. Um, also, I don't remember him moving that fast uh before like i don't think that's ever happened before in in any of the movies at least um so it kind of seems like he has i guess a newer power yeah i was going to mention his his super speed which we see three times in this episode Mm -hmm. um i there's a production and storytelling reason that they might be bringing that up and there also might be a like in universe reason of i wonder if wanda might have brought that in as a reference to her brother. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't think about that at all. I was wondering about that too and thinking about her memories. Not not that she would conflate Quicksilver, or sorry, uh, Pietro and, uh, and Vision, really, but just, yeah, I, I did have that thought. And I don't know much about the comics, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, one of her son's is called speed yes um i was going to get into that in the theory okay (laughs) but yeah yeah that that was the uh other aspect i was talking about possibly foreshadowing speed cool (laughs) yeah and actually this isn't even the first time we see him move that fast in the show um in the series premiere when we see him he has that one scene at work he's moving you know really fast typing so i i guess that you know they we we already kind of got a little bit of preview too but you know now we're actually seeing it happen yeah, and as you said, a few times in this episode, which definitely seems 
intentional. It, it seems significant if they if they hit the point that many times. I think the the other vision scene that really stands out to me that I wanted to talk about is um, you know to what I was saying before. He he seems like he is starting to notice the cracks, right? And and quite literally, we see that visual in our face when Herb is cutting the crack through the wall and Vision looks at, like, at it like, huh, okay, that's not quite normal. And he's starting to question more what's going on. And that scene in which Wanda says, you know, oh, we've been having these close calls. The people of Westview are always on the verge of discovering our secret. Like, oh, she's almost delivering that as if it's the tagline for... like the sitcom of their lives like we have this secret right and uh you know his first go around he says yeah i know what you mean and uh but he starts to to say it's more than that right and he brings up the the dinner they had with the hearts and herb and it's such a, a an eerie scene because his eyes even kind of move toward the camera and away from wanda and uh, he says, I think there's something wrong here, Wanda. And then sh- her eyes panic and the scene resets in, in a weird way, uh, not the rewind kind of way that we saw in episode two with the beekeeper, but the it's like skips a little bit and he's just back in the position that he was in before. Thinking about, again, like this idea of, of an actor resetting, right? Repositioning themselves where they were standing on stage and uh, and then this time he says all the right things to her, right? He says, oh, you know, everything's going to be okay. And, and, and all the all the things that you'd want to hear from, you know, your partner who is is having this baby with you, right? So that scene was was really interesting. What did you guys think of that when it resets like that? Oh, that was freaky. <laughs> yeah. For half a second, I thought that um, there was something wrong with the stream. And I'm sure most yeah. of the people watching it for the first time. Thought the same. I'm really glad that they're not a- acting like Vision is dumber than he is, because we know he's a very he's he's an android. He's Jarvis. He's Stark, and he's Ultron. He's a very intelligent person. So if he wasn't figuring it out by now, I'd be really worried about the writing of the show. Mm-hmm. And, and also, you know how they actually did that. Um, you know, the, this is the second time or, or third maybe i'm misremembering but uh, where time was rewound essentially right they, they did a reset and this was different than the previous times right uh the the b guy who showed up uh wanda actively said no and then time was rewound like kind of giving us the impression that that's that might be a power that she had right uh, that, that she chose to do that um in this case maybe that wasn't her and so maybe it is you know, her working in tandem with someone else or some other weird combination of powers and control and, and all of that. Yeah, I'm wondering if she's actually getting stronger. She doesn't have to say the verbal or we see the rewind. Um, my One of my many out there theories might be whoever's doing this to her wants Wanda to get stronger. So, you know, the mother's strength to give her children so mm. she has someone to protect... And then now she's using these powers in different ways. She's exercising that muscle. She probably didn't have to use as much as an Avenger. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On that note. Um, oh, okay. Well, in terms of characters, finally, we have Geraldine, who is the third most important character in, in this episode. And we, as the audience, already knew 
that she wasn't from here, so to speak. And we know that she's not who she says she is because, again, our meta-knowledge tells us that we know that this actor was hired to play Monica Rambeau. And we know that this character is Geraldine in quotation marks and is probably Monica Rambeau. I think we know that confidently that she is. So um, that means that we both know more and less maybe than Agnes and Herb in that scene in which they're, they're kind of whispering uh, and, and start talking to her about vision. So a lot happened with her in this episode. And Tony, you kind of already mentioned that moment with the stork where she seems to genuinely get spooked for a minute and, and breaks character. What else are you guys thinking about Geraldine's arc in this episode and, and everything that happens with her? So the, the I, I end up with a lot of questions about her because we're getting different information about her from different characters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when she first shows up in this episode, she's talking about the, um, all of her pipes bursting in her house, right? Um, but later in the episode, uh, we're told that she doesn't have a house. And so why is she there? What What's the reason that actually pushed her there? Did she actually have a house? Where did she sleep the night before? Because it seems to be that every episode is a, is the next day. Um and just just seeing that, like a, this weird uh, difference of story from the different characters about her, um, that gives me way more questions about her than than I would have expected. Yeah, I think the fact that when she gets ejected from the WandaVision reality, her clothes don't change. She's still yeah. in the 70s uh, gear, I guess. I'm wondering if she, they have found a way, maybe through the sewers that we saw at the end of uh, episode two, of a way in and out, and she has been going back and reporting to S.W.O.R.D. or something like that. And that's the costume that they made because they found out, oh, it's the 70s today. So they quickly dressed her up and put her in to um, be part of the story. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, it does seem like in the first episode, they were actually watching this like a TV show. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they don't even need to go in to, to see that. Interesting. And and her her outfit does also feel very costumey. And maybe that sounds silly to say because clearly they are all being costumed to appear as if they are people of this time period. But I wanted to reflect a little bit more on on that and thinking about um, what I brought up earlier about significant objects in in the episode and reflecting on uh, something that Trey brought up last week, which was his observations about the motif of the color red in the first two episodes. I couldn't help but notice and think about how Geraldine is wearing blue, like mm-hmm. very bright, vibrant blue on her her vest and her eyeshadow and of course the fish pattern on her pants and i realize that perhaps there is no real meaning to this blue versus red connection and i was going through this in my head realized that could be a red herring and then i was like oh blue herring like the mm-hmm. fish on her pants and then i just had the phrase blue herring in my mind and that is all. That that is all I got. Very likely means nothing. Um, but uh, that's that's what's been on my mind. Yeah, what an interesting character. I, in just this one episode, like you said, Al, like it, it just raises so many questions about her and her role and Sword. And I, 
I do think it was very effectively done. Those little shifts in moments in which she's going back and forth from the, this character who she's very clearly playing and, and playing very well. The story about the boss and, and the, <laughs> the hiccups was very funny. Um, but uh, then those, those moments that she does get very serious and, and, and very scared, I, I think are really, really effective. And, and one of my favorite little moments with her too also, again, relates back to Vision's Shakespeare quote about the, about the actors. Yeah, when, when Wanda challenges her, like, what did you say just now? And, and she kind of goes back into that peppy sitcom voice and she's like, oh, I said, Wanda, you know, you're so strong. And then she says should I say it one more time for good measure? And she like moves back onto the couch where she was sitting before. And it again, just reminded me of actors moving around the stage, right? Uh, going back to where they were at the beginning of the scene. Like, Oh, let me, let me take that line again. Right. It was really well done. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't think about a, a lot of this from the you know perspective of everyone being actors, like in their mind, like knowing that they're, they're acting that way, but now I can't think of it any other way. <laughs> And I wonder, too, I mean, to, to what you guys brought up earlier, like, are they all like I, I feel pretty confident that Geraldine is a character, right? That like that she's acting in that role. But then I am really torn on on the rest of them, like Herb and Dottie from the previous episode. I, I'm really unsure uh, what I think about about who they are in this in this uh, in this play, so to speak, in this scene. But perhaps that brings us to to this um al and tony one of the aspects of your show mcu rewind that i really enjoy is your identification of easter eggs and i know you two are far more knowledgeable about the the comics so i'm curious what easter eggs you were able to identify for wandavision episode three yeah, um, I'll take this as usual, Al. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so yeah, we already brought up uh, Billy and Tommy um, in the comics. Uh, Wanda has two children in an alternate reality, um, named uh, Billy and Tommy Maximoff. Billy is the mutant Speed, and Tommy is the mutant Wiccan, who has magic powers like his mother. Um. That's actually one of my theories, is I'm wondering if Wiccan is causing all these uncontrolled glitches, which is mm. why the whole world doesn't crumble when she loses control of her powers, briefly. Interesting. Oh. And just to, to add on to that, in a different universe, um, Tommy is the green Power Ranger and <laughs> Billy is the blue one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, they're either leading to um, Young Avengers, because we are slowly building up through different movies and shows. It seems like we're building up a Young Avengers team where, right. you know, Scott Lang's daughter and Ant-Man is a Young Avenger. We've got Ironheart coming. We've got Miss Marvel coming. Um, yeah, we've, we're building, we have the building box coming for the Young Avengers. Um, or we're going to go for a giant Power Rangers team up. So <laughs> <laughs> That would be cool. <laughs> I know which one I want more. <laughs> Crossover event. Right. <laughs> um, also, in the wider MCU, like the TV shows, um, light spoilers for uh, Agents of Shield. Um, season five of Agents of Shield, mm. uh, the first half takes place in space. 
Um, and one of the characters asks Coulson, um, don't, isn't there like a space arm of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Uh, or she's like, she asks, is it like spear or something? Obviously a reference <laughs> to sword. Which, um, Coulson actually tells her it's classified. So they don't confirm or deny that, but kind of confirming it. Um, and also in the deleted scene for the first Thor movie, Selvig mentions S.H.I.E.L.D. and they need, or they mention sword and I'm wondering if they should call about all the extraterrestrial events happening in New Mexico. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Oh, that is, so that, that's interesting because we know the, uh, from some of the casting that later in the season, um, oh, I completely forgot the, the actress's name who was in Kat the Dennings. two Thor movies. Yep, Kat Dennings. Yeah, because she was in the two right. ones and she worked with, with them, with Selvig and... Um, and mm-hmm. Padme Amidala. I can't remember her name either. I'm so bad with names. <laughs> yeah, she, she worked with Jane. So. <laughs> we've got Padme, and we've got the Power Rangers. The whole crew is here. <laughs> so those are the, the big ones. We have a few references as I have it. Um, like, we see on her one of the walls, you can see the um, a painting of the Sokovia Castle, where she got her powers initially. Um, that's right next to the kitchen. Cool. Um, one thing from episode two that I really loved is in the intro, the cartoony intro, we see her getting bova milk, and bova was the demonic cow who was a nurse to Speed and Wiccan in the comics. Because you know comics are weird. Whoa, that's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, I recommend if you're curious about Speed and Wiccan and what happens to Wanda after this in the comics, because this is famously kind of based on the House of M storyline, uh, look up Young Adventures uh, Children's Crusade, which was a miniseries about Speed and Wiccan looking for their mother after she had this break. Wow, very cool. Thank you for the recommendation. The only other one that I I did not... Uh, notice on my own but i have seen this being commented on 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 twitter and elsewhere is the soap in Mm -hmm. the commercial relates to a scene from agents of shield not that i've seen (laughs) same yeah i've heard that i like i've seen literally that thing on twitter like uh the commercial and someone saying like light spoilers for shield but I've like been racking my brain about it, and I might, if you know more about that, I can maybe fill you in, Tara. TK. <laughs> well, I I just saw on I guess it was Twitter or elsewhere that there, and I, I don't dive deep into like seeking out too much Easter egg stuff mm-hmm. if I don't notice it myself. Uh, not that I like hide from it if I see it come up online. I just don't go and do a ton of extra research typically. But anyway, um, what I saw was that there was some part of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I do intend to finish one day, um, <laughs> that he, Coulson, says something about like a, a throwaway line or seemingly throwaway line about, oh, the soap that Hydra, like, uh, something about using the soap to read minds or something like that. And in the commercials, she, the, the commercial actress says, you read my mind. Oh, um, yes. So that is, um, I mean, it's a little bit of a spoiler for, uh, towards the end of season four. I, I, I are, are you okay with spoilers? I don't, I, I'm I, okay I don't with it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, in, in, 
uh, season four, at one point, they uh, go into uh, the framework, which is virtual reality world. Essentially the Matrix. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so in that world, um, if you remember, you know, the... uh, in Captain America, um, the Winter Soldier, you know, the whole Hydra fight and everything. So in that world, Hydra won instead of S.H.I.E.L.D. And so now they're basically under Hydra rule kind of thing. Um, And uh, and Hydra makes the soap. And Coulson thinks, I I don't know if they ever actually confirm it or not, but in that world, Coulson um, grew up thinking that the, the soap controls your mind. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I gotcha. See, sometimes I feel like I need a little bit of spoilers for some of the t- the TV shows because it makes me want to watch them more. So, like describing that storyline about like, oh, what if if Hydra had won? That makes me like, ooh, okay, that sounds like something I I want to see. Okay, cool. I think that that's probably what I was seeing reference to online. Mm-hmm. And that actually explains why I saw that over the weekend too not knowing it was related to the Hydra Soap thing. I, I, I'm sure that's why it was posted. I just did not put two and two together. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Uh, for context, the next batch of uh, Agent S.H.I.E.L.D. we cover will be that arc. Oh, cool. Great. Yeah. So as far as like little Easter egg theory things, uh, there was one thing that I noticed in this episode also. Um, so a theory that I have is that the, the powers related to at least the powers that Wanda seems to be using are very different from what we've seen her have in the movies, right? Because in the movies, it was pretty much the the telekinetic stuff, moving things with her mind, and then reading and or messing with people's minds, because we saw her do that to to Tony Stark one time. And so far throughout this show, she's been doing a bunch of different things, right? We saw what I think is time travel, right? Or reversing time. Uh, We saw her create things a few times so uh in this uh in this episode we see her trying to get rid of that stork and the animation mm-hmm. is the uh, red smoke um and i had to pull out infinity war again just to see but that seems to that looks almost dead on with the animation that uh thanos uses when he's um using the the reality stone when he you know, shows when he, he sees um, the Guardians of the Galaxy right in nowhere. Um, and after, um, you know, they, they kill fake Thanos, he reveals, yeah, everything is, uh, is I, I already showed up here a while ago and took the stone. Nice catch. Yeah. You just said that you don't have insightful observations. What are you talking about? That <laughs> That's a really good catch. I, I was curious about that because the smoke was so bright and, and so didn't remind me of what we had seen Wanda do. So I, I had a big question mark um, about that. So thanks for, for checking Infinity War for us. I mean, it, it was a good excuse to watch that movie, which we don't <laughs> need a lot of excuses for it. <laughs> All in a day's work. <laughs> All right. Is that, is that going to do us for any theories or predictions? Or do you guys want to share anything else that's on your mind related to that? I've, I've got one more. Um, Al shared with me a theory off mic about he thinks Wanda has the powers of all six Infinity Stones. Mm. Um, and I was thinking, like, when we saw uh, Geraldine, or Monica as we know her, get shot out, she is covered in red power, which we assume is Wanda's power. I'm wondering, um, in the comics, she becomes Photon, a, another hero with similar powers to uh, Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. And then you think about how Captain Marvel got her powers, it was exposure to 
um, the Tesseract, the Space Stone's um, power, and getting absorbed of that. I wonder if she will start um, having powers after absorbing some powers from Wanda. Because we know she's going to reappear in Captain Marvel 2. That's a great question. Well, and I'm curious about that idea, too, about the Infinity Stones. I... Is that your prediction, that you think that all six are somehow involved? Or is that more of something you're questioning? <laughs> uh, that is, yeah, that, that's a theory, uh, or the prediction that I have. Uh, back on our, on our show, when, when we did our, our prediction episodes for the season, um, we had to choose a random one. So I, I decided to, to go with that. Like, yeah, why not? Yes, uh, <laughs> yes, yes. I remember you saying that now. That was your. That was the last one that you met, you brought up, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I... I, I'm I'm kind of on the lookout for for the stones, which is also why I, I you know noticed the the powers, thinking all right that might yeah. be reality show. We'll we'll see what happens there. Uh, <laughs> so Tony and Al, thank you so much again for joining me to talk about episode three of Wandavision. Before we wrap up, why don't you remind our listeners where they can find your show? Yeah. You can, so oh, sorry. go ahead, Al. Go ahead, Al. <laughs> <laughs> We're both so bad at this. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, the show is called uh, MCU Rewind. Um, so if you find that, it should be on pretty much anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can also, our, our website, mcurewind.com. Uh, we're also on Twitter, and I think we're using that more now, because Tony we is are. using that more. Uh, so <laughs> we are at MCU underscore Rewind. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much again, and I would... Love to be in touch and talk more about WandaVision, even if it's just a, a message over Twitter or something like that, because I'm curious to hear how your thoughts develop as we go through the season and to see which, if some of these predictions come true. Yeah, that'd be excellent. I can't wait to collaborate with you again. And uh, listeners, if you want to hear TK on our podcast, check out our three uh, Doctor Strange episodes that came out a couple months ago. Yeah, She's super fun. If you enjoyed this conversation about episode three of WandaVision, you can follow the podcast at anidea underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Artwork was designed by Brooke Pender, who you can follow on Instagram at bpenderillustrations. Music by Demeter Salvia, who you can find on Bandcamp. Thank you for listening, and be sure to tune in each Thursday to hear me and my guest of the week tackle the big ideas of the latest episode of WandaVision.